SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Rise and shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Friday, July 17th. Let's cock-a-doodle-do it. This is the early line right here on SportsGrid, giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez. Every weekday morning, I got my man Kevin Walsh live and direct from the basement. We're trying to give you the edge, give out winners, and put the fun in functional sports content. Kev, we started yesterday talking about the Memorial Tournament. Round one is in the books. And I thought it was interesting. The guys early on that went out earlier in the day were dealing with some howling winds, couldn't really score. But as we look at the leaderboard, Kev, we got my main man, Tony Finau, on top. He put in a good round, minus six, leads the tournament after one round. Yeah, and now he finds himself atop of the the live leaderboard for an outright winner at plus 650. He's followed by John Rahm and Roy McIlroy, who are at plus 750. The interesting thing I think about Tony Finau is I feel like he does somewhat fit the description of a guy like Xander uh, Shoffley, who Mm. uh, featured in Cam Stewart, who's always a regular here with us on the early line to talk some golf, uh, who featured in his six-pack, because he always he talks about just good golfers who are due. And Tony Finau, Dane, feels like someone whose name came up, I would say, Maybe maybe every other golf tournament that we started a preview. He's a popular name. He's a well-known name. And certainly started to piece things together uh, with a great opening round. Yeah, let's see if he can keep it going. I got to tell you something. I don't know if you saw some of this, okay? But the, the commentators were giving a lot of uh, kind of Jack who designed this course, right? Being like, he's going to have to figure this out. He's going to have to put water in certain places or put bunkers in other places. Literally, Kev, because of the way Bryson DeChambeau is hitting the ball. I don't know if you saw this, Kev, but the man had like multiple 400 yard drives, okay, including one that went something like 427 on, I think, the first hole of the 17th hole. It was absolutely ridiculous. You know, they are now changing the way you have to design golf courses. I saw them, you know, kind of making fun. Like, DeChambeau is hitting, like, a pitching wedge 150 yards. And then it becomes kind of harder to control. DeChambeau crushing the ball, even though, you know, you don't find him at the top of the leaderboard, plus one. But he's tearing up the course in a different way. Yeah, so we actually, uh, we talked a little bit about DeChambeau with Cam and, and a little bit yesterday, even going into it, how he is someone that people are looking to fade. And I would consider, you know, the, the level of golf that he was playing at for him to be over par right now means yeah. that was probably a good decision. But, you know, I found myself matched up against him. I was on one of the group bets that we were on yesterday. Right. Uh, we had Patrick Cantlay, and they were in the same group. But Cantlay, you know, it's looking good. But then all of a sudden, like DeChambeau, because, you know, he's hitting the ball 400 yards. He, he's he's right ridiculous. next to the tee, and he was able to make up ground. So it was it was it never felt super comfortable because you just you see the power that he brings, and he really is starting, I think, to establish himself as one of the more well known golfers as well. Like must see TV. I don't want to go that far, but right. I, especially I think for for you know true true golf fans. I mean, he is becoming somewhat of a phenomenon here a bit. I mm-hmm. believe he was the favorite heading into the memorial. Uh he now sits at two uh, or at twenty to one rather uh to win this tournament. Uh still you know within that top ten range. Yeah, absolutely. As I check the live lines, you know, someone else that is still alive at 16 to 1 is El Tigre. Uh, Tiger Woods went out there, I believe, minus one is where Tiger stands. Four birdies in the first round, but Wetzel does cash. He wanted over two and a half bogeys, and Tiger blessed them with three. Tiger sits at minus one. Tiger is 16 to 1 right now in the live odds as round two is beginning to tee off. 
Yet again, Tiger's another person that we found ourselves battling in a matchup bet. We had uh, Rory McIlroy in the group that featured uh, Rory Tiger and Brooks Kepka, And right. it, that was a really fun group to watch. And the thing about Tigers, to be honest with you, Dan, when I had gone into that that wager, I was significantly more worried about Brooks Kepka. Uh, again, that was someone who made Cam six-pack, somebody um, who I've mentioned a number of times during our golf sure. reviews I'm a fan of, and I thought he might go out there uh, and play really well. And he played all right, not spectacular, um, You know, especially when you think about kind of how this course is playing thus far, uh, Brooks Kepka coming away even. You know, you take that. But Tiger finished minus one. He was just, you know, one stroke off of Rory who led that group. And you see how high Rory right now, again, tied for the second best odds to come away and win this memorial. Like Tiger being up there at 16 to one, I, you know, we talked about his odds pre tournament and how he's likely moved up the board a bit because, you know, they want to, they're going to attract Tiger money. They have to prepare themselves for that. I think Tiger finds himself certainly justifiably in the top 10. He's got the sixth best odds. Right now, he certainly, I think, belongs in the top 10 uh, for outright winners after that opening day performance. All right, and to be quite honest, remember, we were talking about the uh, good old Pat McAfee super boost, right? The idea of will Tiger make the cut, and I do think that he set himself up already, minus one after one round. He looks to be on the safe side of the cut if, quite frankly, he's the sixth highest choice, you know, in live to win the event. You got to think that he would make the cut. Remember, I said top 20 would be something I would bet on for Tiger. Speaking of bets, Kev, it sounds like you've got, you know, you've added to your PGA card here. (laughs) Is it for the whole tournament? Is it for just today? What are you looking at today in round two of the Memorial? Yeah, so we had... A great day yesterday. Uh, we had three, you know, group bets, and they're all plus money uh, with the way those groups were sectioned off, and they all came home. We mentioned the Rory one already. We mentioned the Patrick Cantley one already. Um, my favorite one was Justin Thomas coming home, and it was because Justin mm-hmm. Thomas played terrible. You feel like you stole one there, or at least terrible to what I would have thought he would have needed to play at in order for me to win that bet. I mean, he was a plus two. Like, that's no good. He was in a group, though, with Xander Schauffele, who finished at a plus six, which of course is no good. And then Dustin Johnson, who the last time he was out there, won it, won the tournament. Um, not this tournament, I'm saying, you know, last time he was out there, he won the tournament he was featured in, uh, who finished at a plus eight. Like, t- Justin Thomas won comfortably because these two guys didn't bring it. But I'm actually going back to this group today in a different way. I'm going okay. with a matchup bet. And I'm going to roll with Xander Shoffley over Dustin Johnson here, uh, Dane, mm. as we head into round two. Again, Xander Shoffley was a part of that six-pack for Cam. Uh, you know, Cam's given us winner after winner after winner, and I know it was a tough start, right? Certainly, you know, he he bogeyed a number of times before, before we see him put any kind of birdies on the table. But he had a couple of late birdies, Okay. Because, uh, you know, when you look through the, the score sheet, and that's one of the, the difficult things, but as you look through the score sheets, you know, some of these guys started off on round 10. So you have to know that because it might look like he tailed off into bogey world, but he actually finished um, between holes five through nine, which were, again, his final uh, five holes with a pair of birdies, and then the rest were on par. I think he started to piece it together a little bit. And, you know, as as terrible as a plus six is, the way, you know, the field seems to be lining up, you know, one good day of golf, and maybe he's able to make the cut. Dustin Johnson was a complete disaster. He bogeyed four of his last five holes um, and actually had a double bogey even just a couple holes before, uh, again, those last five. And the thing about Dustin Johnson that certainly has stuck with me, Dan, again, as we, you know, have talked to people here uh, on the show and even, you know, off air, about golf is just how Dustin Johnson sometimes his head might not be in it. Um, I think about you know the the big golf match that we had where you know him, Rory, Matt Wolf, uh, and all those guys were were involved, and, and DJ looked awful, but Rory carried uh, that group to a win. I could see him. I don't want to say mailing it in, but the frustration mounting, and he's just not in the right headspace to you know get back in the game. Whereas Andrew Schauffele at least finished uh, a little bit better. Uh, so that, you know, to me, is a nice little play for round two. All right, fair enough. And remember, you know, the cut happens after today's action. I talked about that boost, right, where Tiger was boosted from minus 450 to even money to make the cut. If you try to get on Tiger now to make the cut, it is minus 13. 
1,500, you know? So I guess uh, that has certainly moved. I hope you got that in early. I want to ask you this, you know, conceptually, I always hear the phrase, Kev, you can't win the tournament in round one, but you certainly can lose it. I look at the guys that are at the top of the leaderboard and Tony Finau and Gary Woodland and live, you know, they are the top two choices to be the leader after round two. Finau at plus 220, Woodland at plus 600. However, there is also a boost now available. You can get Finau or Gary Woodland to win the tournament after Sunday, right? And that's being boosted from plus 325 all the way up to plus 400. Kev, do you, you know, do you have faith that guys can go wire to wire in a tournament like this? We led with Tony Finau. He's at minus six. Do you think he'll hold him and Woodland will hold off everybody? Are you intrigued by this option? Riding Finau and Woodland all the way to victory. They're in the driver's seat right now. You could get a boost that they hold everybody off and one of the two actually wins the tournament. Yeah, you know, it's tough because I'm not sure I, you know, going into it, though, was was there enough buzz there that either of these guys, obviously, again, they they played great to start, Dane, but I think if, if, you know, you're someone of that mindset, I think you'd be better off committing. I think you'd be better off committing to the one that you want. If you think it's Tony Finau, he's plus 650. If you think it's Gary Woodland, he's plus 900. Instead of putting them together... And I, I probably would push you maybe more so in the direction of Tony Finau because he finished pretty strong uh, with, with birdies on four of his last five versus okay. uh, Gary Woodland, who a lot of pars, and actually his final uh, shot was a bogey, which um, you know I'm sure it was probably tough for people who thought maybe he would be able to actually finish with the lead, although uh, you know Finau ended up going up to a minus six. So I personally if if i were trying to look into that market again we love our odds boost and we always appreciate those over right. at the FanDuel Sportsbook but i think maybe i would try and unless you really believe that these are the top two guys like if uh, you know if you're no, somebody i think who, it's kind of a soccer bet, to be quite honest because like yeah. it's hard for people to go wire to wire you know but then obviously it's like ooh this guy is winning right so i think this is one of the uh boosts that the books use and our friends at FanDuel use to try to specifically invite money that they want. I think they want this kind of money because the leaderboard is tight. You know, just because Finau and Woodland are there right now on, you know, Friday morning does not mean they'll be there on Sunday evening. I think this is trying to lure you in. And I tech, I personally wouldn't do it, but we will be following this. And we'll, when we're back on Monday, let you know who took down the Memorial. When we come back, Kev, I mean, we got a lot of stuff to talk about in soccer. Up is down, left is right in the MLS's back tournament. We got the FA Cup in England, and we got a big weekend to talk about in the MLS tournament as well. The group stage standings are starting to kind of come into focus. We'll talk about it when we come back right here in the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line right here on SportsGrid. Kevin Walsh and I giving you the edge here. That's what we do every weekday morning, 7 to 9 a.m. Kevin, we've been following this MLS's back tournament, and I thought there were some very exciting games yesterday. Let's start with yesterday morning, Atlanta versus Cincinnati. Atlanta, one of the, you know, kind of big contenders in MLS Cincinnati last year was an expansion team. And so of course, Kevin, it is in fact, Cincinnati that gets the job done. They are over Atlanta to one, nothing, but they were all the way down to nine men, Kev at one point. Okay. They, you know, got the second yellow card for Jake Mulraney. Uh, It was at the 25th minute. They were playing down to 10 men for most of the game. Cincinnati puts one home and gets a W. Now, Atlanta also 
Now, has not gotten a win so far in this tournament. You know I know NYC has not gotten a win so far in this tournament. There's other big boys who have huge matches over the weekend if they want to stay involved. Kev, it seems like things are a little bit upside down. I know they were down to 9 and 10 men, but this is an upset, the fact that Atlanta couldn't take care of Cincinnati. Yeah, so I would say, and we actually talked about this yesterday, how Atlanta had not inspired enough confidence for yeah. me to be laying the minus 170 they were on the money line. Now, I don't know if you get credit for that, right? Because did we really <laughs> say then to bet Cincinnati? Meh, I don't know about that. Uh, we might be able, maybe able to fake it till we make it on that one. I just think what's standing out here a bit, and I would say, you know, I think probably for yourself even, right, Dan, like this is the closest we've followed the MLS, right? Um, I'll speak at least for myself. I know, I know certainly for myself, it isn't. What might sure. be standing out a bit here to me is the importance of star players. And mm. just because that's obviously uniform, of course, your stars matter, right? But you think about what's happened for Atlanta and then a bit with NYCFC. Yeah. And because of the quality of play there, right? There's probably only a handful of guys that are really like, a cut, a cut above, right? Like the best 11 in this league, right? Oh. And Joseph Martinez and Maxi Morales They're both would be a part of that 11. And we saw how NYCFC looked against Orlando. Although, to be fair, them conceding twice in like a blink of an eye. I don't know how much that has to do with Maxi not being there. Maybe the confidence yeah, right. off a bit. And now, again, the same here with Atlanta. They've not scored. I mean, they've not scored a goal coming up against a Cincinnati team, again, who let four by them in their last time out. And, you know, I'm sure that they went back to the well and wanted to, you know, try and right the ship, right? I don't think you show up to to any bubble looking to lay down. I really don't. But Atlanta not being able to get any goals passed. And, yeah, we could talk about, you know, they were nine men down, but, you know, Williams left on one of the last few kicks of the game. And, yes, they were definitely ten men down for a long time. But we saw the other day, I think it was uh, Toronto and D.C. United, where D.C. Right, uh, DC had been DC without, yeah. down to nothing. And both of those uh, guys came without the man. So not a lot of excuses built in for me. I, I think it really just comes down to Martinez isn't there, and almost they didn't show up with him. Yeah, I mean, it's true. Remember, I got Tom... Tom Bogart, uh, that covers the MLS, said, listen, with Bela gone from LAFC, they've still got a lot. Martinez may be the biggest mix. You mentioned Maxi for NYCFC, NYCFC as well. The man led MLS in assists last year. But I got to tell you something, anything that any kind of uh, if you were disappointed at all with this tournament, then you should have seen the Montreal-Toronto game, Kev. The battle for Canada winds up going 4-3. And listen, Alejandro Pozuelo had three assists. There was a span of like five minutes where like three goals were scored. Back and forth we went. There was literally, Kev, some incredible passing in this one. Toronto's first goal was a huge through ball that was like perfectly threading the middle center backs. There was a lot of good passing, a high scoring affair, no shortage of excitement Four three Toronto over Montreal. I mean, it looks like a FIFA game. I mean, none of it even makes sense to me. Like just look through the box score. It was beautiful. Some of the highlights were incredible, but it says Akinola scored in the 37th minute. And then we also, it had Tater put in a penalty on the 37th minute. Yes. How, how is that possible? Like, yes. No, literally, it, just, it was like 10 seconds after the after they started, bro. Another amazing. And there was probably a goal like two minutes before that also, Kev. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, it just, it was one of those games. Now, the thing is, we actually yesterday were hoping that more of these games would look this way, that we would right. continue to get over two and a half. Um the Red Bulls, if they could have gave us one, then we would have had we would have had two for three uh, in that setup. But I thought the big thing here was Toronto being able to hold on because I'm sure a part of them had to be a little nervous, right? When they came hmm. out, got the lead, gave it right back, got you know it, it was a back and forth affair here for sure. And I think for them is you know conceding two penalties though is sloppy. You've got to be better than yeah. that. But it was a big result. Uh, for Toronto, and it was one that put them now 
uh, to the top of the table. New England certainly um, and D.C. United have to play, and depending on that result, uh, Toronto could be bumped down, stay joint, and obviously um, will kind of depend on how that fixture looks, but it was a big result for Toronto. Yeah, absolutely, and then Columbus gets the win in the nightcap, 2-0. They... Listen, a lot of people thought that they looked the best out of any team in the first go-around with a big win. Now they get another win. Columbus looking very dangerous here in this tournament. Yeah, and it's really nice to see Jossie's artists um, roll right. out. I, I, I like uh, Jossie quite a bit. He, he was one of those guys that um, when he was on the national team, national I became team. quite the fan of, and even watching him um, uh, for the Galaxy. You know, and, and you know now obviously he's over here at Columbus, but he's gotten it done. He scored in both of these games thus far, and uh, he's certainly someone that I root for when it comes to the MLS. All right, cool. Now, Kevin, let's turn our attention to today. The first thing I notice when I look at today's slate, and there are three games in the MLS's back tournament. Kev, there's two games at eight o'clock, and nothing tonight in the breakfast slot. No nine a.m. game, but they're going to leverage multiple fields. For the 8 o'clock start, I'm intrigued by this. Kev, if they had the capacity to do this, why aren't they doing this the entire time, given the way that you know Josie Altador and others have started to talk and chirp about that 9 a.m. start, what it means for the body clock, what it means for the alarm clock, what it means for the team meal. If they can run double action at 8 and then something at 10.30, like they are doing tonight, all times Eastern, why do you think they're doing that 9 a.m. start? Yeah, I'm not sure because I can't say that they've proceeded to make a change and we won't see the 9 a.m. start again. Sure. Uh, next Monday, the 9 a.m. start. Next Tuesday, yeah. the 9 a.m. start. Same with Wednesday. Like the 9 a.m. start, in fact. Is there, but then um, why not today? I'm not sure. And I, yeah. you know, does it, I, I was going to say, could it, you know, be time zone related, but, you know, DC and New England certainly would fit the billing of a 9 a.m. start. I'm not right. sure. Okay. Maybe they wanted to, you know, Friday night special, uh, spread the board <laughs> out. Maybe the one thing I, you know, you notice here is that uh, these games are on ESPN, uh, and then there's another yep. on ESPN too. So, you know, perhaps they thought maybe Friday night special. Let's, you know, let's double up on the board. And um, I'm not sure though. I, I'm not sure because, you know, I mean, what would you have done if you were the MLS though? Are you better off having a spot where you're competing against? yourself here with these with the dual eight o'clock time slots or would you rather mm -hmm. isolate things and, and and you know kind of go with that breakfast time slot the uh, the one answer I, I can only really come away with is the bandwidth of espn allowed them to broadcast both of these games right. one on espn and one on espn two and maybe that's not been the case up until this point yeah that makes sense to me right you're gonna put live sports on when you can to get the ratings and maybe they were allowed to do the able to do that on that end ESPN 2 potentially tonight. I do think for some reason it will come down to television. But as I look at the games on its face, Kansas City sporting KC is the biggest favorite of the day. They're at minus 120 against the Colorado Rapids in one of these dual first games. Sporting KC needs to get it done. They are favored to do so. How do you see this one, Kev? It jumps out, though, right, when, when you when you look at that number. And you made this minus number in the three-way line, yeah. Yeah, especially in the MLS, right? Very yeah. few teams jump out as like, oh, that's a minus number team. And I think we've, we've seen sometimes a minus number squad burn people a bit. I think about NYCFC. Yep. Um, mm -hmm. I think about LAFC in that matchup where they were a minus price and they were only able to come away with a draw. So I, I can't help but have my hesitations, especially when I think about uh, a team here in Sporting KC who did lose their first fixture, right? Like, it's right. not necessarily, like, they're not... This is probably fading of Colorado. This is fading Colorado, I think, more than buying in KC. And I and I get that. I think, though, if I'm laying a minus number on a triple money line, I think I need to be buying the team that I'm betting. Right. I think that's kind of how I view it. And But I'm, I'm not sure you really want to back Colorado. The one thing that jumps out to me, Dan, as we look through these lines, over two and a half goals is at minus 152. So yesterday, again, on, on a two and a half goals, if you played it throughout, you came out in, in the red. You lost right. two of those three bets. Minus 152, though, for over two and a half, I think is higher than we saw 
in any of those games, I actually think yesterday, uh, in terms of the price to go over that number, I wonder if we're starting to see more and more people bet some of these MLS overs. It just then begs the question, is now the time to go back the other way in terms of these MLS totals? Interesting. We will keep our eyes out on that. You got the revolution, New England, at even money against D.C. You mentioned this in D.C.'s last game, right? They were, they were uh, kind of down or two nothing. They were up, down to nothing, coming on back, you know, with the down 10 men, um, but still kind of with a late run there. How do you see this one happening? Yeah, I like this New England team. Um, I, I, I think they have the ability to go out here. Um, and get the job done. Even money, it's funny, right? We're pretty close to where it's like, oh, look at this, we're laying a minus price. But right, right, you right. Know, even money to me, I think they can get the job done. DC United, I mean, that. I'm not saying that they're going to still be tired, but that's a very demanding task to come back for a two-goal deficit with a man down. And sometimes the just natural luck will run up, will run out on you when you have those kind of situations. Yeah, absolutely. We also tonight in the nightcap have Minnesota um, favored slightly over Real Salt Lake. When we come back, though, Kev, you know, the group stage continues to roll on. There are some very important games over the weekend. If some of the big time contenders want to make it into the knockout stage, we'll preview the highlights of the weekend slate in the MLS's back tournament and the FA Cup in England. Some action to be had across the pond. We'll talk about it when we come right back here on The Early Line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line right here on Sports Grid. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh putting the fun in functional sports content. Now, Kev, I told you this is a big weekend in this MLS is back tournament, right? I mean, teams will be finishing up their second games, starting their third games in the group stage. And, you know, you mentioned a couple of teams, Atlanta having not scored, NYCFC looking like they are going to be eliminated in this, you know, kind of group stage, what's up is down, what's down is up. And that is a threat for a few other teams this weekend, Kev. So I want to highlight some of the big time games that we're going to have. We talked about tonight's action, right? But on Saturday, tomorrow, there is a huge game in Group F, Kev, in Group F, which a lot of people thought was the quote-unquote group of death because it had LAFC and the LA Galaxy in it. But as we stand right now, and you see the standings for Group F on the screen, you know, one of these teams is probably going to get knocked out. Right now, they op- you know they occupy the final two spots in Group F. And uh, this is a huge game, LA versus LA, Tomorrow, we know there's no Vela. We know all about that. But one of these teams, if they don't get a result here, is definitely in danger of not making the knockout stage of this tournament. Yeah, I wonder if there were any futures props on the Timbers to win this. Right. Because they have the opportunity to do that with a, a win against Portland, which um, which would be pretty impressive. I guess LASC actually could stay within the mix if they do win their game. What jumps out to me with this uh, minus 155 number, Dane, I think it's the same exact number that they were laying against the Houston Dynamo. That's mm. off-putting to me. That's a little... Because if I'm not mistaken, the Galaxy should be uh, held in higher regard than the Galaxy. Yes. And where that gets dangerous, and I know that this is something that is always... It's a part of sports analysis. It is a part of betting analysis. But when it becomes a part of the physical number, it gets tricky. And it's when you start seeing that it's, oh, well, they have to win, right? 
the idea that LAFC right. has if that's to included win. in the cap. Yeah. And it, and it seems as if though it's, it's maybe then included in the number because I then don't know how else you justify them only coming away with a draw against Houston, playing a better team in the galaxy and being priced at the same number that doesn't add up. So right. to me, I, I'm not saying I'm, I'm rushing to play the galaxy. I could see a draw, maybe, if we wanted mm, to go know, with like a big three-to-one number. I can't help but still look at these totals in the MLS, though, because I do think sometimes it, the money lines, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm up and down on with that. It's minus 198 for over two-and-a-half goals. But I think the you know plus 130 for over three-and-a-half, what we saw from LAFC in their first matchup, I mean, it's just goals. It's goals. It's movement. It's we're, we're getting and we're going. And the Galaxy conceded twice uh, to Portland. They scored once themselves. I think over three and a half in that game feels like a better way to play it. Even though it's high intensity, I don't think that means, I don't know if that translates in the MLS to less goals. I think it actually seamlessly translates to chaos, hecticness, and seven goals. Right. Because they're pushing for, like you said before, you know, with some teams in Europe as well, if they're pushing for it, you leave yourself exposed, you know, to the run coming back the other way. So that is certainly uh, tomorrow a do or die kind of game in Group F. But then on Sunday, Kev, we have a similar situation in Group B, a do or die matchup this time between the defending MLS champs and the Seattle Sounders up against Vancouver. The Whitecaps, those seem to be two teams at the bottom of this table right now, they play each other. You're going to need some points out of that one, or else you're probably staring at last place in the group and the end of your MLS's back tournament. This is a big one on Sunday, Kev. Yeah, and I, the mindset of these two teams, it has to be a little fragile, right? Seattle comes out. Think so? they They get the nil-nil draw. Then they play the Chicago Fire. Fire's first game. Seattle, decent favorites. They lose 2-1. Right, so they've now played twice. They've only come away with the point. Vancouver, right now, they they have that game in hand, and you know if they get the result, they can get themselves right back in the mix. But they had a heartbreaking loss their last time out, right? So that's the the worry for me is mentally, are they able to recover from that four three loss to San to to San Jose? I mean. That game, I mean, they were up 3-1, 2 2-0 and then 3-1 to lose 4-3 on, you know, one of the last kicks of the game. Um, man, that's that's a tough, yeah. tough look. Again, though, Seattle minus 175. It does seem as if the narrative is baked into this line a bit here with Seattle, no? It does. Um, and, and, and to be quite honest, I agree with it. I buy it, you know, so mm-hmm. I, I may stay away from it. It may represent too much juice for me, but I do think ultimately Seattle is the better squad. And I do think ultimately in the position where they need to get three points, I, I do think they will. The question is, am I comfortable laying the juice? You know, we also have some big time games over in England, across the pond, as it were, um, this weekend. Now, Kev, you know, the EPL is going on, the best league in the in the world, and we all know about that. And we've been talking about the teams and their fixtures throughout the week. But just like every other country, there's like the league that you can win, right? And then there's also like another tournament that goes on. It's called the FA Cup. And this is even where teams in the second division, third division can kind of pop up. We are getting towards the end of the FA Cup as well. And we got some big time teams tomorrow. Arsenal against Man City in an interesting matchup. Man City, huge favorites at minus 360. So these two FA Cup games are actually they're, they're going to be a blast to break down. City-Arsenal, yeah. here's why this one is so fun. We've seen this game already. I'm trying to think, right, if we've seen a rematch since sports have restarted. And hmm. one isn't particularly coming to mind. Not not that's jumping off the table to me. But if you remember, Dan, when we got started with the Premier League, that first game back was Arsenal-Man City. So that's just something I, I can't help but bring to the table. I can't help but think about when it comes to this game is that these two sides have faced off recently. And does that then maybe mean 
you know, Arteta, who's the manager of Arsenal, has, you know, more recent game film to go off of, sees where Maybe. some of the holes were for his team. Maybe. Now, he's going to have to find a couple holes, though, to make up what was a 3 nothing loss, a pretty comfortable loss. By the way, these games are held at Wembley, so there's no uh, home advantage home. here when you look at these games. Because I know usually right. the way the they're kind of positioned, it would look as if Arsenal was a uh, seven to one dog at you know at the Emirates, which is not the case. Right, uh, these right, games right. Are it's a neutral Wembley, side so FA Cup. Yeah, yep. Just wanted to make sure um, that everybody did did know that. The interesting thing with Arsenal, Dane, is they just came yeah. out and got a win over Liverpool. They're playing all right. They're playing all right. And, look, the FA Cup is, it depends who you talk to in terms of how much the FA Cup matters. And it's not to say that Man City won't go out there and put their best foot forward. And They, they, they want to be able to win as many trophies as possible. Um, but I think Arsenal could be live. Like, like seven to one, it's a massive, massive number. But the other thing that I can't help but think about here, Dane, is because this is yeah. a rematch. One mm. of our favorite bets from that first go-around was both teams to score. We lost right. that bet. Sometimes, though, your best option is to go back to well. Sometimes, you know, that opportunity that you thought was there, that you thought would come home and it doesn't, okay, that's a city side that just let Bournemouth score. Arsenal should be right. able to find the back of the net. And, I mean, I can't imagine, I can't imagine a world where Manchester City doesn't score in a game probably at least twice uh, with the run of form that they have been in. Minus 140, both teams to score in this game, I think is absolutely worth the look. But one other caveat I want to quickly add to this game, though, is third game in a week for these teams, and there's still you know a, a bit to obviously be played um, in the Premier League. You can make that both teams to score bet now, I think, but I would be very cautious with going too heavy before the 11s are released for this fixture, um, because right. again, it's 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 not the league, and there, there's a you know there's a lot of questions to be asked when it comes to the 11s that'll be put out. Sure, there's a chance, right, that any of these teams may not necessarily prioritize this trophy over another one they're chasing, right? I know Liverpool has already won EPL, but some of these teams, Man City is live still in Champions League. You know, I remember this yeah. when NYCFC was in the CONCACAF Champions League and starting their MLS regular season schedule. They kind of had three games in one week, and you have to prioritize where are you going for it? Where are you not, right? So in this kind of tournament-style play, you definitely want to see what the starting 11 looks like before you lay any bets to make sure that they're, you know, putting their best foot forward. In the other matchup, it will be on Sunday, but we're talking Man United versus Chelsea. How do you see this one playing out? Hopefully Pulisic will be on. So everything that we just said for the first game, multiply it by about $10 billion. Multiply okay. it by about $10 billion. These two teams... The FA Cup's importance is debatable. I don't think you can make a debate that it is more important than getting Champions League football. And right. that is what is on the line for these two teams. And you look at the fact that they have to play Sunday, and then there will be a quick turnaround for these teams, I think, going into a into Wednesday games. And the fact that these teams also have recently you know, just played during the week here. You have to see the 11s, I think, before you bet this game point blank. Period. But there's also two separating ideas that you can come into betting this game. So I would say Chelsea has to be a bit more concerned about their weekday fixture than Manchester United. United is supposed to play West Ham. Chelsea has Liverpool. That's concerning. Mm. That's a big matchup. You want to be rested for that. But there's also the idea of being due. They've played three times this year, twice in the Premier League and then once in the ECC. United beat them all three times. Not just draws, they beat them all three times. Uh. Maybe Chelsea's do. You have to wait for the 11s before you bet this one, though. No, absolutely. I think that is the biggest deal here in the FA Cup. Wait for the starting lineups to come out before you go ahead and plop down your shekels. When we come back, Kev, we turn our attention to the National Basketball Association news and notes and how it impacts those teams when we come back right here on the early line.
sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome back to the early line right here on Sports Grid. Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh going around the world. We looked at soccer. Kevin, now we go to the other sport that's also in that Orlando bubble, and it is the NBA. We got word yesterday. Listen, everyone is talking about Mr. Williamson, right? All roads lead to Mount Zion. But Zion had to leave the bubble yesterday um, to tend to what is uh, being described as a family emergency. Okay, now we know, though, if anyone's going to leave the bubble, once he comes back in the bubble, there are certain protocols in place. He's going to have to, again, go through testing, maybe have the isolation, you know, kind of in the other hotel or whatever the case may be. Listen, Kev, we are now coming up on, you know, we are within two weeks from the NBA season starting. So when I look at the first couple of games for the Pelicans, this now potentially puts Zion's availability in doubt. And I want to ask you, what do you think might be the impact for those first few games for the Pelicans now that Zion, and no one's judging, no one's throwing shade at him. The man had a family emergency. He's got to leave the bubble. We've talked about this all the time. People have wives who are pregnant. We can't, like, judge people's reasons, but Zion is leaving the bubble, and kind of whatever the return protocols will be may put his availability for the first few Pelicans games at risk. Talk to me about what you're seeing in those lines and if you're leaning anywhere different because of this news, Kev. Yeah, and let's talk about those return protocols quickly because I have a feeling something's going to happen and it's going to really bother me because it's just going to be people who just haven't taken the time to look this whole thing through. So if somebody leaves and then comes back and there's and there's no like exemption made, it's a 10-day quarantine, right? But if there's an yes. exemption, if they are continually tested throughout, right, and it has worked in unison with the league, then it could be a four-day quarantine so if zion gets back right on let's say the 25th and does a four-day quarantine you know it's going to happen day right people are going to go oh look Mm -hmm. they changed the rules to get zion on the court yeah i told you about elena deladon too yeah but but i'm saying is that's not the case now if he's out there in two days then that would be the case but the quarantine protocol it it, it'll depend on how they handle the situation i expect that you know that the Pelicans will do what they can to make sure that he is tested throughout, and that way, then he can have the quickest turnaround that is, at, you know, that would be possible. Right. Now, we do not know the nature of, you know, the family emergency, sure. so therefore, we don't know how long this could be, and I really don't want to speculate on that too much. I will say, though, depending on the time frame, the danger is, Dane, that. He's not going to be able to get involved in any of the scrimmage games. And right. even if Zion yeah. is out there for that first game, it might right. be his first real action, yes. which then could throw him off a bit. Now, someone might counter and say, remember when he made his debut in the NBA and by the fourth quarter he went out there and all of a sudden turned into Steph Curry mm-hmm. and he was doing whatever he wanted? I couldn't argue on it. I couldn't argue on it. It's just better off that he sees more game time, right? Like the impact that we're expecting Zion to make, Dane, Yep, I think is like you would want him to see more game time. We're talking about like top 10 player in the NBA, expectations for Zion when it comes to this Pelicans team. That line against the Jazz has moved a bit. I think it was at two and a half. It certainly was at two. It's now down to one and a half here. If Zion is not there, for the Pelicans, I think our best strategy, wait, let the Jazz get bet up to favorites, and come back and then, around on New Orleans. Because I'm still not all that convinced of this Utah team. No, I think that makes a good point there, Kev, right? If people hear, the public hears that Zion might not be there or might be compromised or may not be ready in game shape, let's say, mm-hmm. the reaction is going to be huge in one way, and you may be able to 
kind of uh, get some value back the other way. I'm with you. I think Zion will be back, right? The question is, and this is what we talked about for everybody, that runway, those reps getting into game shape. I might fear if he does try to go out there right away, that's when the hamstrings and the groins and the soft tissue injuries come into play. And that's more what I would be worried about, not if Zion will be there, but what version of Zion will we get? And, And let me add on that. He actually yeah. had some leg cramping this week in practice. Okay. They, got, they said he was fine. They said this has nothing to do with any of that. I believe them. Cramps are cramps, right? I guess like people get leg cramps all the time, right? But it's worth, I guess, noting, right? Because yeah, Zion is such a unique athlete, exactly. That it's impossible not to get to to, to say to yourself like, and eh, what you know? What if? What with those right. injury concerns? Right? There's a reason why he's not going to win the Rookie of the Year award. It has nothing to do with talent and everything to do with injury, right? So yeah. it's a more than fair concern. Man. All right, fair enough. You talk about you know big time players. We've also said that it rates if it's a big time team, Kevin. Right? When like Rondo was out, when Bradley was out, we're like, uh oh, that's the Lakers over in the East. The big-time team is the Milwaukee Bucks, and it looks like they have one of their big-time guards testing positive for COVID in Eric Bledsoe. What is the impact of this? I would just take and lift the same arguments you just made about Zion, not necessarily that he won't be there, but what version of the man will we see early on? And clearly, we all know Milwaukee still has a lot to play for, Kev. Yeah, and I think the big thing here is we try and figure out, like, what would that do for Celtics Bucks? It had been sat at five the whole time. It's now moved right. to four and a half. The nature of his positive test, Eric Bledsoe, is uh, anti or uh, asymptomatic, rather. Asymptomatic. And I'm anti-symptomatic think, also. Right, you know, right, Kevin, right, I'm right, anti-symptoms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I agree. We should all be. Um, Shouldn't we? But I, I, I think, <laughs> yes. So I think we're looking at Eric Bledsoe here, though, and that is the big thing. That's the point to keep in mind, right? Is that that the ramp up period is was stressed so heavily by these players and by exactly. these teams. Rightfully so. But we then can't forget it, right? Then if somebody is going to miss that timing. Now, Bledsoe again, he's looking forward to joining the team, asymptomatic, hopefully anti-symptomatic. Uh, and he is going to be rejoining this team in the bubble. You know, it seems sooner than later. Maybe he gets a couple scrimmage games under his belt. Again, if they lose, they could they could go zero and eight, and it really wouldn't matter when it comes to they are going to be the one seed. Okay, like the, right. the Raptors would have to go on a preposterous run, and also the Bucks are not sure. going to go zero and eight. You know what I mean? They're going to get Bledsoe back, but what will happen? And this is my thing with the Bucks. I don't want to say that their their mindset is fragile, but I could see how it might be. I could see how a team last year, who was the best team all season long, was up 2-0 in the conference finals and lost four in a row, shows up to the playoff-type atmosphere, right? After that long break, loses to, say, Boston at the start, loses another game, starts questioning themselves, and all of a sudden now, they're just a little bit more unsure of themselves when they need to keep that same confidence and swagger that they had about themselves during the regular season. No, I agree with you. And I think that is the big point here, right? You mentioned these players lobbied. Everyone talked about how important the runway was, right? Or these eight regular season games to get on back. They, you know, sometimes players were thinking about grieving this with the union, in fact, right? If they didn't have that opportunity. So if it is necessary, if it was really needed, then you, you can't out of the other side of your mouth say that there is no impact. If someone is going to miss that time or not have that opportunity, Kev, you know, it's always interesting when we talk about someone being out at this point, the assumption is that, you know, they had COVID or that they tested positive. You know, we were talking off air yesterday about another NBA player, a player that moves the needle, albeit on a team that maybe does not have championship designs. I brought up to you De'Aaron Fox and you were like, what? He tested positive? I was like, no, he just sprained his ankle. But he's still, because of that sprained ankle, will be out seven to ten days. You see it here, the report from Jason Anderson, right? And same thing, right? This is starting to knock on the door of the beginning of the Kings matchups. Now, maybe they don't have the same designs as Milwaukee or even as New Orleans, let's say, with Zion. But this is important. De'Aaron Fox certainly moves the needles for the Sacramento Kings. And don't forget 
The Kings are a team. Remember, Buddy Heald already positive. Jabari Parker, Alex Len. So they are, you know, I don't know if these guys are going to be back, and they probably will. But the Kings have had a lot of uh, things up in the air. And now Fox is going to miss 7 to 10 days of this runway period. Yeah, and even Harrison Barnes actually tested positive. There you go. It was one of those stories that a little bit under the radar. And here's why it it is relevant in the Sacramento Kings. 100%. This is not a team that's going to win the title. They're not going to win the title. That's not disrespectful to say. They're not going to win the title. They do have the same exact record as the New Orleans Pelicans, though, who a lot of people, myself included, think are going to you know go to the playoffs. So the Sacramento Kings, who actually play the Pelicans twice, by the way, in their eight games, like they could get themselves in a play-in. This is a team that, you know, I think you in their minds feel like they could get themselves involved and get themselves maybe to that eighth seed. It's po- it's it's absolutely possible. But it's not possible if De'Aaron Fox isn't there. It's right, not possible right. without De'Aaron Fox. I mean, they, you know, he he is their best player, leading scorer, leading assister. They need De'Aaron Fox. And it's, again, it's exactly what we've kind of been saying here. You know, for him to miss seven to ten days, that's a lot of that runway that's going to have to go. Now, the benefit for them is they start with the Spurs, which is certainly one of the more favorable matchups a team could draw when you think about uh, the teams that are available in Orlando. The Kings were three-point favorites. It's now been moved down to two-point favorites. And I would think that if De'Aaron Fox were to be ruled out, would it go to a pick-em? Maybe minus one? Certainly there, there would be more movement to be had if De'Aaron Fox is going to be removed from this game. If the Kings win that game, then, you know, it'll be interesting to see how this thing goes, especially if New Orleans loses because Zion's not there. Memphis and Portland play one another, so one of those teams Mm. is going to be handed a loss to start the reset. If the Kings can get out of the gate with a win, that's huge. If they lose to the Spurs... That's going to be a tough battle to climb. They're over under Danes, three and a half, plus 170 to the over. Plus 170 to the over. It gives you you a good idea of the expectations for this team, right? Three and five, then pretty much where people expect them. If they're not able to beat one of the teams they're favored against in the the San Antonio Spurs, we're then looking at a very, very difficult uphill battle for them. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. Their win total for this restart is three and a half of the eight games. Does the Aaron Fox... And any kind of, whether it's his availability or him not being in full game shape because he's got to get back after this 7-10 to 10 day rehab, let's say, quickly, yes or no, is that enough to make you go under instead of over? I've actually liked the Kings over, though, quite a bit. Would it still be at that plus 170 number? I'd hold out hope De'Aaron plays and bet him over. All right, fair enough. We got a jam-packed hour number two. We have Jay the Sports Keg coming in to talk UFC. But before that... We will talk about the National Football League. No shortage of news over there and impact to those teams. We'll talk about it. Hour number two of the early line when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 